especially like i see numerous students who talk with me like how they went through a phase like of depression just mm-hmm. and this is very close to me again like because i i was a student as well so really i want your thoughts on it what you think is that how students especially international students who are leaving their family behind how they can deal with this uh, situation of depression is there any signs like they can they just don't get into it or if they are into it how they can pull themselves back into out of out of the depression there's an element of it that is understandable when when we're leaving our home it's one thing but to be leaving your country to come to a completely new country there's a huge adjustment period there there's a huge unknown there's a loneliness in it hello everyone welcome back to the another episode of conversation with hypreet my name is hypreet singh and listen guys today's episode is really going to be very valuable and informative because see like if you have ever faced yourself find yourself into a situation like where you are dealing with your mental health or you know someone who went through a went through that situation be pass or currently going from their men, like dealing with their mental health dealing with their mental illness this episode is for you guys i have a very special guest joining in today she is the founder of mind armor she is the founder of sos psychotherapy so you can say like she has a credibility behind her please welcome with me sejal belen welcome to the show sejal Thank you so much for having me. So glad you invited me. No, it's really likewise. Like I, I'm so much excited for our talk. Like this episode is very different compared to my another YouTube videos because we really are gonna try to dig in more like into serious talk, which is like I feel like very a uh, problem issue, especially in the in today's world. So It like is. you're very right. I know. and before we like start into that like could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself sure sure so um you know harpy it was really important for me to to come on today because when you sent your invitation being part of the south asian community we know that we don't talk about this stuff um at least we haven't in the past and I was really excited about this because I think that we are starting to open up more and more about it and I think it's really important um because I'm of the South Asian community as well and part of it and I know that when I was a young person going through challenging times I felt like I had nowhere to go so you know both mind armor and SOS psychotherapy were actually born from personal experiences um that we went through as a family I'm the wife of a first responder and mental health is at the center of our journey really because day in and day out my spouse sees the worst things of humanity and how does one process that so you know that sort of was the inspiration between how mind armor was born and why SOS was born as well So uh I'm just happy to be here and to be of service. No, I'm so happy like you joined us today. Sejal, you really uh, put uh, you really said like and this is why I couldn't agree more that we are not talking more and more about mental health and especially in the South Asian community. Why do you feel that like why is that so why why we not talking more about it? Well, I think why we haven't in the past was because there is that shame 
associated with it, that stigma, that if you talk about not being healthy or mentally healthy, mm -hmm. um, you know, that there's something wrong with you, that you're broken, you're deficient in some way, mm -hmm. dysfunctional. And we know in the South Asian community that optics matter. So we have to appear strong. We have to appear like everything is fine. We don't want to bring shame upon our family, get people who talk about us um, in society. So we don't talk about the things that are not okay or not what going well in our life. It doesn't matter if we could be going through the worst thing in our life. We have to pretend like everything is fine. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you a story. I was invited prior to COVID. I was invited to... Um, a, uh, uh, a society's uh, seniors club community event um, in the South Asian community. And I was a little skeptical of, about how my talk or my family's story would be received. And my husband and my children were at the event and we all shared our experiences from, from our perspective. Um, my parents were in the audience because I invited them to join. And I was really honestly out beyond, I, I was afraid as to how it was going to be received and what was going to be said and whether there was going to be shame or backlash on my parents because I'm so open and candid about what I do. And you know what? It was the most amazing experience. So we had a room full of seniors, a room full of people, our parents age from a time when again, they never were given the freedom or option to talk about the things that they've gone through. Yeah. And let me tell you, our parents went through far worse than we ever did. You know, just with being first generation Canadian, like immigrating to Canada and the struggles and the triumphs that they've actually gone through, they've gone through a lot. And everybody in that room, it was so wonderful because they stood up and they, shared that as a senior, as an Indian, that they go through depression. The men especially were so curious as to what do you do when we feel this way? What do you, what, who do you talk to? What, how do you even talk about it? What are the words to describe what it is that I'm going through? Um, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, so that's when I knew that there's change happening. That's when I knew that our community is ready to start talking about the realities yeah. of what it is to be human and to share in that humanness. It's not about being broken. It's not about being that there's something wrong with you or that there's an illness, right? Like when we talk about mental health, just think about it. When you say mental health, all of a sudden, everyone thinks we're going to talk about something negative. Mm -hmm. Why? It, because we're worried about mental health or talking about mental health or um, uh, wanting to take care of our mental health doesn't mean that there's illness. It means that we, it could mean that we're being proactive. It could mean that we're worried about mental fitness, mental strength, resilience, all the good things too. But for some reason, when we just mentioned mental health, yeah. everyone just thinks it's like, oh, it's some stigma. Yeah. Right? And it's not. Mental health is no different than your physical health. Mm -hmm. But in your, own, in your own words, like how you then define clearly to someone, like what is the mental health? And is there like any stages to it, mental health, like some 
a low mental health, maybe a medium, like, uh, or is this just a term mental health? Like I, you experience mental health on a scale of unhealthy to healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's everyone's journey is the same, or sorry, different. But what I want people to understand is you can move along that scale during different times in your life. So there's times where you're going through difficulty that you'll lean towards this direction. And then there's times in your life where you lean in this direction. And then there's some instances where you might find yourself at the end of the scale towards mental illness. And then there's times in your life where you'll be totally mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. But what does it take to get to each end? And most of us exist somewhere in that middle where we're bouncing between the two sides to go through depression to go through anxiety because you're going through a divorce, um, of a, a, a loss, a significant loss, you're grieving yeah. to go, you know, to go through a depression during those times is okay. It's normal. That's the way your body is programmed to work. Yeah. Right. If you're in depression for months and years, then there's something to look at. Yeah. Right. In terms of getting help and support or medication or what, what you need. But even if you were to get um, decide to get some support when you're going through something difficult, like a loss or a difficult time in your life and depression is just reactionary, it's okay to get support even during that time, because what that helps you, you manage is that depression in that short period of time so that you build the skills, you build the muscle, the strength, so that you can lift out of the depression and then become stronger to bear the next obstacle or the next challenge. Yeah, you think like if someone is are dealing with the depression, they can like get them get themselves out like their own, or they really Absolutely. need help from the outer sources. I I think if you have the right equipment, if you have the right strategies, if you have the knowledge. Yes, you can. And so that's where SOS and, and mind armor are a little bit different. SOS psychotherapy is there to serve people when they need that support, when they're in immediate crisis, mm-hmm. when they want to work on something very specific um, and look to their past because they notice that there's a behavior pattern. There's something that I'm doing that is causing me to live in this cycle. That's where the therapy comes in. Yes. But there's another side to that. It's the coaching. What if you went for mental health coaching? And please don't just go to any coach out there. There's lots of people out there calling themselves coaches. But mental health is a very um, specialized space that I do suggest that you go to somebody who's licensed or registered because you don't want to put your mental health into somebody who's not qualified to talk about mental health trauma or some of the things that you might be going through. So I'm not saying go to a coach, I'm saying somebody who understands how to coach. So I've got certificates in both, right? I'm I'm a certified uh, coach as well as a licensed therapist. So when I work with somebody, I can work with some of their past patterns, their established behaviors to help them in a therapeutic sense but I'm also then able to help them move from the present state 
to a preferred future? Like, how do they want to be stronger, mm -hmm. mentally stronger? How do they want to be more mentally resilient? And we start putting those things in place so that they're able to navigate life's obstacles and challenges better. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Like if you are going to someone and sharing your vulnerability, because in other words, you're sharing your past self, you're sharing your experiences. And so if you are sharing your, how vulnerable you are, you should go to someone like who is professional in that field. I just couldn't agree. Absolutely, more. absolutely. And this pandemic, you know, has turned out so many new entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. so many new coaches, um, people who are talking about mental health and trying to help people that don't have the qualifications. And that's a huge concern because when we're dealing with somebody who's vulnerable, who's fragile, we can do more harm yes. than good. So it's really important that when you seek support, that you go and actually ask some very specific questions to determine whether that person is the right person for you mm -hmm. to invest your time, to invest your money mm -hmm. and to in invest yourself yeah. because it, it can be a difficult process and you want to make sure that you're in the hands of the right person. So yeah. if you wanted to, Harpreet, if you wanted to go to the gym and you wanted to work on, you know, getting a six pack, right? Abs of seal, you would go to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yes. Right. You would go to somebody who knows how to isolate those muscles, mm -hmm. someone who knows how to tone, train and strengthen those muscles. You wouldn't go to a shoulder guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and you would go to somebody who's certified, somebody who's got that credibility. So it, the same is with your mental health. You would go to somebody who's a professional, who spends years training and understanding, who has a, that experience and you got to make sure that they're not only about qualifications, but that you're comfortable. Yeah. Because if you're not comfortable, you're not going to open up. Mm -hmm. So you want to know the number one thing for me is that you're going to be comfortable to start to open up about yourself. So is there a good energy between you two? Is there a rapport? Is there a connection? That's huge. Yes. Sage, yeah. so like whenever... I feel like whenever I talk about mental health, now I know like there's so many factors that can affect your mental health, like loss of someone special or loss of pet, loss of job. But maybe like because I'm in the work for, uh, workplace as well, I feel like many of rules is from the workplace as well. Like what do you think if someone is feeling like I'm not feeling most or like accomplished in my job or I'm not feeling satisfied in my workplace, and that's leading to their mental health. How do you think like they can, uh, they should deal with that situation if they're not feeling right in their workplace? So workplace mental health or workplace wellness, um, you know, actually I'm gonna backtrack just a little bit. I don't see mental illness or mental struggles stemming from one thing. Mm -hmm. I see that, you know, we're human beings, we're a system in ourselves but we also exist in systems, a family system, yeah. a work system. Um, so what happens is very often our stress isn't just coming from one place. It's usually compounding factors, okay. right? Things that are start to play together that create this energy or this cycle that we either are thriving in or barely surviving in. So um, 
when you can identify that majority of your stressors are coming from the workplace, the important thing to look there is what specifically, what is happening? Is it that I feel like I'm not good enough? Is it that I feel that I'm not being seen or valued? Mm -hmm. Is it that, you know, I'm finding the work too hard or high pressured? Am I lacking some training? Am I, um, or could I benefit from some training? Um, you know, so it, there's some specific questions that you might want to ask yourself. And so when you're feeling that overwhelm, that stress, working with somebody like me might be helpful because I'm trained in asking you the questions that you might not think about. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you identify? So we can get right down to it and then find those solutions that might be helpful for you in that situation. Like, is it a matter of approaching HR? Is it a matter of accessing some company resources to mm -hmm. get the training or support that you need? Is it that you just need to have a conversation with your, your direct manager, you know? So it's things like that, that this is what we talk about in session. This is what we open up to discover. I ask you questions because I want to have an understanding. Believe it or not, the solutions are, you already know what they are, but you just haven't identified how to bring them up or how they're connected to your problem. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's what, talking to somebody is about and when you like talk with your clients like what are these some of common identifiers you find like in the environment that is negatively impacting their mental health so i work with a lot of men um because i i specialize in working with the first responder community mm -hmm. so police fire paramedic um ceos high level stress uh yeah. high yeah. stress leaders um and, and uh, very sort of successful people who have reached the, sort of like the top of their career yeah. or the top of their game, because the level of pressure is so much more intense. The level of isolation, people to be able to understand what it is they're going through is different than uh, the majority of the, the population sometimes. For first responders, it's, you know, we're taking a human being just like you and me, Harpreet, putting on a, a blue shirt or a, a fire bunker gear and then sending them out to see the worst people at their worst every day, yeah. right? There's no, there's no protection for their minds. Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, we know that we're taking regular human beings, lovely human beings that are compassionate and kind and putting them in the face of trauma consistently. Well, that's going to take a toll. Yeah. And so, you know, what have I recognized to be um, a pattern in the workplace? Do you know, it's not the actual trauma. The trauma is one thing. Mm -hmm. The trauma is something that I've seen many overcome naturally with support, with some, some continued work that they do. It's the, what we call moral injury or the sanctuary trauma. Mm -hmm. Really hard and cannot be medicated and cannot be um, easily taken care of because it's something that happens on a day-to-day -day level. And what I mean by that yes. is when someone feels like they are being hurt, betrayed, or traumatized by their own work environment or leaders or mm. managers. So in the first responder community, unfortunately, one of the patterns that we've seen is that the system 
in which they do law enforcement, in which they do fire prevent um, protection, firefighting, paramedics, the system, the actual departments, the way that they're set up to run may have been effective in the past, although we know that they were effective in doing the job, but they haven't been effective in protecting their people. So what we've noticed is that a lot of people over, though they're able to overcome the actual scenario trauma, the trauma that they face by helping people, is that they're returning to a workplace that feels threatening or toxic mm -hmm. because the system itself is not set up to embrace people back to work that have gone through this situation. And I, I came up with a quote one morning because I was sitting with this um, at home because we've gone through this personally, right? With my husband. So I was so upset one night and I, and I just couldn't understand why workplaces aren't being more responsive and receptive to people that have, you know, stepped up and said, look, I have an issue. I need to work on this. I'm going to take the time to heal myself and then I'm mm -hmm. coming back. And they don't realize that they're coming back better and stronger. And it just, it was really upsetting to me because I was like, I don't understand why workplaces, why leaders are making people fight a battle in a war in which they already fought for their lives wow. and won. So the person that we're talking about has gone through the one of the worst pains of their life, identified that they were fighting this war, decided that they were going to fight and they fought for their life and survived. And now they're still fighting these battles at work. Why? It just doesn't make sense to me. So that's what I hope that through the training, through Mind Armor and the work that I do with the broader community is that we can change these narratives. We can change these systems so that even though Harpreet, you say that, you know what, I need to deal with this stress. I need to deal and make myself healthier and better that you're going to go back to work. You're going to be invited back and welcomed back into a system that is set up for your success. This is so deep, Sejal. So like I completely agree, like the people, especially in the law enforcement, police officers, uh, the medical, fire rescuers, like they deal with these situations when they like, where they're seeing persons in their worst condition. And yeah, like that's definitely going to impact like maybe a minor, but it's going to be compounded at the end of the day. It is definitely. And say, so what do you think? Like, so you talk with system, like it's not there yet, but you think like in some the past, there are some changes made in the system so they can, they can like improve their mental health and they can get positive vibes from the environment. Yeah. So, so I think in the last, like, this has been something I've been fighting for for the last 20 years. Um, I had brought this up to the post-secondary sector in terms of training our recruits and training our young people for these professions. I was, I approached them 20 years ago saying, listen, we've got a problem here. We yeah. need to make sure that we're tr giving our recruits and our trainees their, their physical skills and technical skills, which they were doing really, really well. But nobody was protecting them or training them to have the mental fitness skills that are required. 
And, you know, fast forward 20 years, I would say that we've made some advancements. We've made quite a bit of advancements, especially in the last five years or so. Like I've seen a lot more momentum, a lot more recognition around this. Um, you know, I've seen military start starting to adopt it, law enforcement agencies where they can, um, some in the fire uh, arenas. There's still a lot of work to be done, a mm. lot of work to be done, because I don't know that the changes have reached a point where I think we're working like a well-oiled machine. I think there's a lot of rusty gears there. So um, there's a lot of work to be done. But I'm proud to be able to acknowledge the fact that at least the conversations are being had yeah. and there is recognition and there are attempts to make things better. Lovely. Uh, Sejil, you think like there's some signs we can catch on? Like if let's suppose like I work in my workplace and as a third perspective, is there any signs can I catch from the another employee or my coworkers so I can find out early? like they're dealing with some depression, they're dealing with some stress mental health. Absolutely. I think that's something that you, you raise a really good point there because I think that there's been a lot more disconnection um, at work with our colleagues, like even pre-COVID. And I think COVID has just now amplified that because yeah. now we're not even in the same rooms anymore. So um, I know pre-COVID, I felt that, you know, how, much, how many of us really know each other? We don't. It's like hi, bye, yeah. you know, passing while we get our tea or coffee, and, and that's about it. We don't spend time to say, hey, Harpreet, like, how's your family? And what, you know, what do you really care about? And tell, like, let, let me know you from a deeper level. Like, that just doesn't seem to happen anymore. We don't even know our neighbors anymore. Right. Yeah. So, we've, so as a society, we've started to lose that, that deep connection with each other to even be able to recognize when something's wrong or to even care sometimes with that there's something wrong. So COVID has just amplified this because now we're not, like I said, not even in the, the same environments anymore. Many of us are so working from home nowadays. We're working from home and that's very, it can be very isolating. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, how do you know now? It's gonna be tougher to know now, but there are ways. So if you know somebody well enough, um, if you know their personality a little bit where you can see that there's a change in behavior, mm -hmm. where someone you know who is you know, generally a happy person is all of a sudden quiet and withdrawn. Yeah. If you know somebody who's all of a sudden consistently angry or negative about things, if you notice that someone is just constantly tired like they just don't look well, they look tired all the time, they look worn, um, those are signs. But then there's also people like myself, Harpreet, I'm very high functioning. So I could be going through the, the worst time in my life, something, my whole life could be falling apart, but I'm really good at hiding it and, and still getting things done and still you know, meeting my responsibilities and being yeah. um, productive. So it's the high functioning people. So when that you are that, when you are like that good in hiding emotions, again, like there are still some signs you can show so we can like identify. Well, I think there's people who, I think it's important to, for the people who know you well to be able mm -hmm. to pick it up. Like, so for instance, when 
I was going through the really rough time with my husband and, and his post-traumatic stress. Um, you know, there was a time where I stopped connecting with people and people know me that I'm, I'm a connector and I love talking to people. So I'll keep in touch. And, you know, not a lot of people looked into that. Not a lot of people called or, or connected because they get busy in their own lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. And probably I lost some friends because some people just thought, oh, well, she's just not talking to us or she's not interested or she's gone. Well, instead they could have been asking, is there something wrong? Because Sajel would usually keep in touch. Sajel would usually, you know, give us a call. We haven't heard from her in weeks. We haven't heard from her in months. What's going on? Yeah. There was one person, one out of all the people that I know, all the people that are my friends, one that said, hey, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Are you okay? Wow. And that one person made a huge difference in my ability to find the motivation to come back. It took just one. So my question to the people out there is who haven't you heard from? Who is acting a little bit differently than what you'd expect? Hmm. And could you be that one person for them? It's just a matter of a phone call sometimes. And for them, like instead, like phone calls are the best way, but what are the other ways they can approach to them? Doing something kind, just reminding the person that you're there it could, I send cards and written letters all the time. I'm old school that way. I can also send an email if I want to be quick, right? Um, just letting the person know you're there, that you're thinking of them, that they matter, mm -hmm. that they matter. That's what's important. So you could find any way to express that. Oh, I think wow. we all have different ways of doing that. Oh, wonderful. Wow, Sajan. So I, I, we know that we can do physical exercise to strengthen our physical body, but are mm -hmm. there any some exercise or things we can do to make our mental health more better? Absolutely, there is. There's tons of things. Um, I know, you know, this one's hard for me because I'm not very good at it, but I'll tell you, I'm always practicing Please. because I know the benefits are so good. And that is meditation is a wonderful, wonderful practice. And I know that that may sound very um, normal yeah. to many to many of our, uh, our um, East Indian and South Asian community members, but there's so much science behind it to, to actually now that we understand of the actual benefits of it. So if you are practicing meditation, if you do it through prayer, if you do it, any way you do it, just do it because it is so, so good for you. It's good for you uh, physically. It's good for you psychologically. It's a wonderful practice. And it's one that, listen, people like me, I'm not very good at it, but I will continue trying and I will mm -hmm. continue practicing because it is a practice. It gets better with practice, you know, a daily effort. So um, that's one way to improve your mental fitness. The other way is to remain social. We are social creatures. So stay connected with the members of your family, your friends, be open to making new relationships. Um, and I know that this can be hard, especially during times of COVID. However, not impossible. 
So it's not about sitting in a room and saying, how are you? And how are things going? No, it's not about having surface level conversations. You can have a conversation like this on Zoom or um, you know, on the phone and ask questions that are deep and meaningful and actually have really connected quality conversations. Yeah. That's where you'll benefit. Find out what really matters to the people that you care about. Like something that I did with my grandmother, with my parents, was I've sat down and not not only, you know, talked to them as a daughter to a parent or a granddaughter to a grandparent. I mean, I wanted to know them. Who were they before I existed? What did they care about? What were they like? You know, the man, the woman yeah. that they were. And what were some of those experiences, the good ones and the bad ones, the most painful ones? Tell me about it. Because I want to know what they went through. I want them to know that it matters. And, you know, that has opened up some of the most wonderful conversations that I've ever had. And I got to know my grandmother as a woman and as a powerful woman and the struggles that she went through and the things that she overcame in her life, like just incredible things, stories, tell stories to each other, because that's going to create a lot of connection. That's how we've passed down our history through time. That's how we've connected as social groups. Even back in the day, we used to sit around the fires and do that, right? So we need to go back to that kind of connection. So being social and um, the next thing would be to be intentional about your mental health. Recognize that it's a fitness, just like going for a walk every day, um, getting on the bike every day, going to the gym to work on your physical fitness. Mental fitness is just important. And here's the good news. When you're working on your physical fitness, you are working on your mental fitness mm. also. So know that that's a great way to be taking care of yourself, right? Yeah. So getting to know yourself is also another great one. So spend time in reflection, mm. right? There's meditation where we try to empty our minds. And then there's reflection where we really look to analyze ourselves, understand ourselves better. And because the, then... What's the way to, to get yourself into reflection? Reflection, a lot of people will use like journaling as a way to do that. Um, journaling, I, I do it by thinking. Um, so I, like if I've said something today or I do something today, later on when I'm by myself, I'm like, oh, where did that come from? You know, what did I mean by that? Why did that matter to me? And I will just kind of break it down because I get to know myself better. Mm -hmm. And then when I get to know myself better, I'm able to be more aware of when there's changes, healthy ones mm -hmm. and not healthy ones. And then I'm able to take action sooner for the not healthy ones. And that's the key. Like if you're going through a mental health struggle, you want to catch it early so that you can do the things that you need to do to help yourself when it's, when it's a smaller issue. Yes. If you just ignore it and tuck it away and stuff it down and pretend it doesn't exist like we've done in our past, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And then to try and work through it, 
takes longer and it's harder. And in the meantime, you know, we've struggled. So why struggle? Choose not to struggle. Choose to get support instead. And again, like when you mentioned, like to have a deep conversation, I also feel like when two people start having a deep conversation, share these stories, that's the time like when you start getting born with each other. That's the time like when you start connecting each like very strongly with each other. Absolutely. My dad is a, a very private person and he was never taught to express himself emotionally. He was never encouraged to do that. So much of his pain, much of his suffering, and he's in his seventies now has been all held inside, Mm -hmm. you know? And we always used to ask when we were younger, like, why is he so angry all the time? Well, who wouldn't be when they're holding everything inside? Right. Right. Um, And now as an adult, because I've spent the time to have these deeper conversations, he's had, moments where he's talked about things that he's never talked about before ever never shared with anybody and i think it felt good because he was like oh you know i've never shared this with anyone and it was almost like a relief for him a weight off his shoulders and he wasn't judged and he wasn't criticized and there was no shame and it was just full of love and compassion and, you know, and, and yeah, we're closer. I know my dad in ways that I never knew him before. And that just increases our love, increases our respect for the things that, you know, our parents have overcome. So this is a beautiful time, you know, during COVID when we can't be physically together to improve the quality of our conversations instead and connect through that, the power of the quality of the conversation, not the proximity of the person. Yeah, like uh, there's one thing like, which is very close to me as well. Like I was international student. I came from India to study Mm -hmm. here in Canada. And in that time, and even now, like I see so many students, it's like not very common, but it's not even that rare, like we shouldn't talk about. And the thing is that like when students like, because they are leaving their family behind, close mm-hmm. ones, uh, the their friends, right? And they are alone here. So they sometimes feel alone and asking questions themselves. Like why I'm here is I have done something wrong. Like why I'm not with my family. And they like become the victim of depression. Like I see numerous students who talk with me, like how they went through a phase like of depression. Just... Mm-hmm. And this is very close to me again, like West, because I, I was a student as well. So really, I want your thoughts on it. What you think is that how students, especially international students who are leaving their family behind, how they can deal with this uh, situation of depression? Is there any signs like they can, they just don't get into it? Or if they are into it, how they can pull themselves back into out of, out of the depression? Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to be able to recognize it. So, you know, are you eating more? Are you not motivated anymore? Are you sleeping more? Are you disconnecting from the people that are around you? Are you avoiding calling home? Uh, You know, are you feeling lonely? 
you know, these are all the kinds of questions that one can ask themselves to see if they're, you know, potentially going through a depression or disconnection. Um, and, you know, I would almost say that there's an element of it that is understandable. When, when we're leaving our home, it's one thing, but to be leaving your country to come to a completely new country, there's a huge adjustment period there. There's a huge unknown. There's a loneliness in it. So, you know, to go through a difficult time, I would almost think is normal. The question is, is what do you do about it when you find yourself in that position? So one of the, the, the things that I introduced to somebody is when you're going through depression, you are not motivated to do much. So you don't want to be social. I don't want to do my work. I don't yeah. want to eat or all I want to do is watch TV and eat and do nothing else. Um, you know, I would say do the opposite. So even if you don't want to talk to somebody, push that little bit to get yourself to talk to somebody, even if it's over the phone. If your friends invite you out and you're like, I don't feel like going, get yourself out. Because what it does is it opens up the door an opportunity to feel something else other than that low, other than that nothingness. Yeah. So you, you have to be intentional and to get yourself out there. I know for me, when I'm having a really rough day or a really down day, I'll actually intentionally go out there and do something really nice for somebody else because just watching their joy or watching them be happy makes me happy. Like that's the way I work. So I know that that works for me and I will do that, especially when I'm having those really low days, I will go and do that. And that could be as simple as, you know, going through drive through getting a coffee and paying for the next guy. Then I'll drive around and I'll just park myself and look at the kids or whoever I just bought, whatever they bought and I paid for it. And I just watch them be happy or smile. And it's, it's really nice. Right. But I, that's me. Like that's, it takes little things like that to, to kind of, um, boost my energy a little bit, but look for ways to boost the energy. Like I, you know, in my talks that I give, I talk about emotions and we're so quick to label emotions as either negative or positive. And I would love for people to, to get that out of their heads because emotions are not good emotions and bad emotions. They all have a purpose and a function. So when you're sad, there's a reason why you're sad. If you're angry, there's a reason why you're angry. If you're happy, there's a reason why you're happy. So the point is, is that don't label it as good or bad, but rather get to know, does this emotion boost me or does this emotion deplete me energy wise? And then when you feel you're having a lot of those emotions that are depleting, make an effort to experience the emotions that renew you instead. And that by understanding emotions, the power of emotions in that way, you're able to assume a little bit more control. That when I'm feeling sad and angry, and I know those are heavy emotions that tend to deplete my energy, I'm on purpose going to go out there to feel emotions like gratitude or kindness or love because they make me feel better and they boost my energy. So another thing for me that works is I'm a very physical person. 
I love to be hugged. So I know when I'm having one of those really draining days, you know, I will go to my children. I will go to my husband. I will even go up to a friend and say, can we just, can you just hug me for a bit, you know, or sit next to me or whatever. Like I like that closeness. So, you know, that's, I know that about myself. So now I'm able to ask for it. So get to know yourself, get to know the people that are surround you and then be intentional about feeling more boosting emotions and less depleting emotions, but don't ignore the depleting ones because again, they do have a purpose and a function, but just, we don't want to sit in it for long. You can now balance it out with better emotion, like with boosting ones. And Sage, like when you find yourself into those heavy emotions, happy, sad, is it like important to identify what are the things making you happy or what are the things making you sad? So maybe like in future when you are feeling sad, you know, like these are some things I can do now, like minor things which can make me happy now. You think like there are, is it important to identify those little tasks? Absolutely. Um so that's actually one of the th- exercises that I get people to do is part of the reflecting piece is to note what works for you and what doesn't, because then that becomes your resiliency toolkit. When you're going through something rough, you know exactly what you can do or who you can go to, to get what you need, right? So during those reflective moments, use your reflection time to get to know yourself better and note what works for you. And you can all do that even today, sitting right here today on a piece of paper, think about a time when you went through something really rough or tough, when you went through a very challenging time, what was it that really helped you overcome that struggle? Mm -hmm. Who helped you? What did you do? What part of you, what aspects of your personality helped you get through that struggle? Um, What did you, uh, skills did you acquire or resources did you have to get to overcome that struggle? And how did you take care of yourself during that struggle? If you note those things down, you will get to know again yourself better based on past experiences and be able to then leverage those for future struggles without even thinking about it because you're so aware of what's worked for you. The next step in that exercise would be able to identify what could I have done or who could I have contacted or what could I have accessed that would have helped that struggle, um, pass that struggle even faster or better. Mm-hmm. Like what didn't I do? And identifying those, because then if you know, if you're conscious of what you could have done more of, you can use it the next time you're going through a struggle. Like some people in the in, um, international students may not even be aware that there's university resources for them to help them if they're going through a struggle. Maybe they don't even know that there's communities of other international students that are there to be of support. So getting to know the resources and supports around you is very important. And you want to do that when you're not in a struggle so that when you are, it's easier for you to get, easier for you to access, yeah. right? 
Uh, yeah, Sage, like, thank you so much for like sharing your stories. And I, I feel like this was a much needed conversation. And I'm so much grateful, like, so much grateful that we had this conversation for our community, for our listeners. Thank you so much, Sejal. So, Sejal, like, before we end our conversation, what's the best way to reach out to you? Like, if someone listening to us, they want to approach you, what's the best way to reach out to you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at sejalbellon.com, S-A-J-E-L-B-E-L-L-O-N.com, or at sospsychotherapy.ca. Um, you can just, all my information is there. You're welcome to to find me. If you Google me, you will find a list of different videos um, and talks that I've given. So those are great resources. If you're looking for more information on how to deal with some particular issues, Um, something in those videos might resonate with you. So I always use those as resources for people. Um, And I look forward to hearing from anyone that, that would like to connect. And I watched you some of those videos, like I watched your TEDx talk and the other one. I like the it's completely really resonate with yourself, like because you share your personal stories in it, and it feels like we are are in the same shoes. So really, like those are really great videos to look for. And again, like thank you so much, Sejal, for coming on the show. No, I greatly appreciate it. And I hope if there's people out there that are looking to connect that they do so business leaders in our community, you know, um, if you're looking for some support in the workplace, um, some cons, uh, consulting, some training, things like that, like this is, this is where change happens. It's, it's through our communities, through our connections. Um, and you know, it's just about asking the right questions and getting the right pieces in place. So I look forward to working with anybody that that contacts. Thank you so much, Sayus. Thank you. Thank you.